I'm thankful for servant leaders, for this worship team, for Luke and Chris back there to pack everything up to get it ready to go to the park, only to decide, nah, let's bring it all back and set up last night here. Thank you guys for serving us. I do feel like I have to do a public apology right up front, though, to the Bentonville school system for every time I have rolled my eyes and made a snarky comment because they have chosen to cancel school the day before, only for us to wake up and find out the inclement weather was not so inclement. It's hard to predict a forecast, you know, especially if they tell you 60% rain yesterday and you wake up today going, come on, just rain. (laughs) Just vindicate us, Lord, a drop or two. Abel and I counted. Our windshield wipers worked once this morning on the way in. So I feel good about that. The inclement weather turned out to be quite clement today. By the way, that's a word. It means mild. I had to look it up this morning. Uh, Also, maybe a a public statement of gratitude. Thanks last night for so many uh, texts and emails. Um, Prayer requests went out uh, on my parents. Uh, We had a call late Friday night that uh, my mom had fallen. My dad's my mother's caregiver. And my mom had fallen, and then my dad, in helping her up, fell and broke his hip. And uh, so um, we spent uh, uh, the evening at uh, Washington Regional. One is home, my mom's home, and we're arranging care there. And my dad, I just got, I promise I wasn't texting during worship, Seth. I just got a text from the hospital saying the surgery was completed about four minutes ago, and he looks like he's doing well. So I'll look forward to getting down there and seeing him in a little bit. And then we got a chance to watch our family do something uh, that's unique. You know, uh, I watched my adult kids come together to rally where I could be at the hospital at three or four in the morning. It might've been a sleepless weekend for all of us, but to watch your adult kids come in and embrace the honoring of grandma and grandpa and take care of their care. Uh, and then for us to now band around as siblings and say, what does a long-term care look like? And as I was thinking about this late last night, I thought, Lord, the command to honor your parents it always exists, doesn't it? And now we just need a lot of fathering, Lord, to know what honor looks like in this season. So thanks as well for being kind with the prayers there. Hey, when Lisa and I uh, were engaged um, quite a while ago, uh, we used to play this weird little game called the what if game. So sometimes we would be driving around in the car and one of us would say, what if? What if we won the lottery? We lived in a state that didn't have the lottery at the time. So, but what if we won the lottery and we didn't have to work what would we do for work? What if we could live anywhere we wanted to live? Where would we live and what would God call us to? What if one of our children was born with a special needs or a disability? How would we adjust in our parenting and in our marriage? What if one of us had a chronic illness? What would loving one another look like over the long haul? What if... You know what we were doing is we were just dreaming about both the possibilities of life, but the challenges of life that come together and how we would come together as a team and meet those. Well, our our Bentonville staff that's starting the launch of Fellowship Bentonville has been meeting once a month on the last Wednesday of every month. And and I, I try to put a what if question on the table during the kind of the agenda at some point. And this last Wednesday, I said, what if, what if... 34 years ago, when that very first community group of seven couples meeting in Bentonville at Jim and Ann Arkin's house, calling themselves Fellowship Bible Church, what if 34 years ago they decided not to multiply? 
that the Lord was blessing their Bible study and they were growing deep in the word. And boy, we just think the Holy Spirit's telling us just to stay together as 14. What if? I want us to brainstorm all that would not be here. Oh my gosh, it was sobering. We started saying things like countless marriages that we can think of would probably not be together. Hunter House, our student ministry guy said, I can tell you hundreds of kids would not be walking with the Lord because of the way the church and family have come together. And we started bringing things like there would be no Fellowship Rogers. You know, there, this wouldn't be here right now. The 86 community groups that make up Fellowship Bentonville, not to mention the hundreds of other community groups, those go off the table. Uh, Fellowship Mosaic, uh, Fellowship Fayetteville, a church in Fayetteville called The Grove, they would not exist. Probably no New Heights Fayetteville, no New Heights Bentonville then, and, and quite possibly no Fellowship Searcy. You know, there'd be no Samaritan Community Center, Rogers. No Samaritan Community Center, Springdale. Uh, our Doug Raines, who will be leading our missions and global training and stuff, looked at me and said, there would be no 50 families that have been raised up from this body and sent out to unreached people groups around the world. And I looked back at him and said, including our two teams from Bentonville, no teams in Mali, no teams in Indonesia. And then we began to say things like, you know, I said, there'd probably be hundreds of pastors who would have never been encouraged and helped along the way and encouraged to stay in ministry me first among them 15 years ago, 17 years ago, 20 years ago now when I encountered Chip Jackson and Robert Cup. And we started brainstorming things like no one-to-one -one ministry, no Celebrate Recovery. I can't imagine Northwest Arkansas without it. Oh, but therefore also none of the other 13 Celebrate Recoveries that Celebrate Recovery here helped start in the area. We'd also have no Care and Counseling Center and maybe most tragic, no tens of thousands of released leaders like you unleashed for good and blessing on this world. It was sobering to think of all the joy and blessing that could have been missed if that first group of people had just decided, let's don't join in the bigger work that God's building. Let's keep this just about us because we like ourselves. Haunting and yet motivating when you think of all that God wants to do when he does a fresh work among us. You know, there's another time in scripture where the Lord was doing a fresh work with his people and it required them to come together and do, do some building for a launch. And the story is found about 2,500 years ago. The city is Jerusalem and the book of scripture we get it from is the book of Nehemiah. Now the cliff notes set up for Nehemiah looks something like this. Jerusalem's in, shab in shambles after Babylonian captivity. And the most immediate need for that city to rebuild was they needed a wall around the city. Why a wall? Because wall in those days is different than fences in our day. We tend to erect fences to protect our personal property as well as our privacy. A wall in those days was to provide security for the whole community, and well-being for the whole city. And Nehemiah looked at a city that had no wall and therefore had no peace and no shalom, no well-being, and he sees the need, it breaks his heart, he drops to his needs in, in prayer, and then he moves into action. And Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 8 says, he started realizing he was onto a God thing. 
And he says this, for the good hand of our God was on me. Here's what I want to do. I want to trace the good hand of God through the story of Nehemiah and four quick movements. You will not have sermon slides. I know, it's wrong, isn't it? But we were planning on being outside where there's no drive-in movie theater for you. I have read church history, though, and apparently they did church without slides. <laughs> Don't know how we did it, but we did it. But we'll be trafficking quickly through the book of Nehemiah and just spotlighting four quick scenes. Scene number one comes from Nehemiah 2. It's verse 17 and 18, if you like to look along in your Bible or your phone. Nehemiah 2, verse 17 and 18. In verse 17, Nehemiah issues a call, and he simply says, come... Let us build the wall. In verse 18, the people of the city gather together and they say, let us now rise and build the wall. And it occurred to me, the simplest of things, that when we join God in his work, because this is his work, the wall then was, the, what we're seeing being built around us is, this is his work. When we join in his work, we has, must do it together. There will be no individual uh, superheroes. In fact, I actually have a hunch that you know it's God's work when you see the work actually unite God's people with an other-centered spirit. Then you go, surely God's good hand is on us. Yeah, we join God together. And as we launch Fellowship Bentonville, we will have to do the same. We'll have to have an all-in Spirit. In fact, to say it this way, we will all have to have an all-in spirit. It doesn't mean we will all do the same things. The body of Christ is so diverse. We go through seasons where we're able to, to serve more and seasons we need to rest more. And we, that's the beauty of the family of God. But the family knows that we're all all-in. How about the second scene? It comes from the next chapter, Nehemiah 3. And there I won't give you a specific verse to look at because the entire chapter is a little tedious to read. It's tedious because it mentions dozens and dozens of individual names. And then it hit me. God's holy word that'll stand forever records individual names of people who joined him in his work. <gasps> individual personal responsibility is how we respond to God's bigger work. Nehemiah could have written good Southern. Y'all come and y'all do something. And then y'all did. But instead it gives name after name after name where people embrace it individually. And, and, and what shocked me was alongside the customary people you would expect, like the laborers, people who probably knew how to build good walls, the construction workers, uh, some, some other professions were listed. It says the rulers and officials joined in the work. The goldsmith, the perfume maker, because everybody knows perfume makers need to be there. It'll stink on the construction sites. And so they joined in and picked up a hammer. The politicians picked up tools. The merchants, how many merchants do you think we have sitting in the room here? And not only that, Nehemiah listed that they were from different parts of the country. I think about 80 some odd percent of us in Bentonville are from different parts of the country or world. Something is happening. The wall was built in Jerusalem by married and singles, by men 
and women. And where they were assigned caught my eye. And some, it says, were assigned to build the wall right in front of their own house. Well, that makes sense. I'm going to build a strong wall if it's going to protect my house. But then the next line says, and some were assigned to build in front of their neighbor's house. And then some were assigned to build wall in the district. You and I would call that your subdivision or your neighborhood. Some were assigned to build in another neighborhood, another district. Some were assigned to build in front of the public building. Some were assigned to build in front of the marketplace, and some were simply assigned to build in front of the gathering places that the community met in. Don't you see? We don't just join God's work together. We join God's work together where we live and work and even play. God will disperse his people all through the city to join in for something that's so much bigger just for us. See, I believe our address on McCollum Drive is not an accident. I believe God has placed us there on purpose. I also believe that your address where you live is not an accident. You live in a street or an apartment complex because you are there on purpose. Lisa and I are just foolish enough to believe that we live in our house and in our neighborhood in Bentonville because we got a good deal on it and the, the house met the needs of our family. God just laughs at that and says, Schatzman, that's just the bait I used to assign you in your address on purpose. And oh, by the way, if that's true, my neighbor's address is not an accident or my coworkers. And God has put us in there to engage where we live and work and play in a bigger work. Uh, people often ask, I don't think every week goes by that I don't get asked at least five times, when will Fellowship Bentonville be open? And here's what I say. Look around. We are open. One day we'll be in the dry and worshiping on McCullen. But we are open. When we join God in what he's doing where we live, work, and play. Fellowship Bentonville is nothing more than released leaders who know and express the authentic Jesus to their city. Where they work, where they play, where they live, the church is doing its thing. How about scene three from Nehemiah chapter four? Verse six caught my eyes. Verse 6 tells me that the wall was going up at a spectacular uh, rate, which is really interesting because if you read uh, chapter 4, there's tons of internal and external opposition. So internally, by the way, people who are working together sometimes got grumpy with each other. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah, we're no different. And then the opposition also came from outside. But Despite the opposition, verse 6 says that it was happening at half uh, or an incredible uh, speed, that half the wall was already done. And this text says, because all the people had a mind to work. And the word mind is actually translated sometimes heart in other translations. The point is their mindset was a heart attitude. You and I would say everybody had an all-in attitude to join the work. And it was powerful. So we don't just join God together. We don't just join God where we live and work and play. 
we also join God selflessly. Selflessly. This sense of we're about something that's bigger. So in, in Nehemiah's day, they knew they were building a wall, sure, to provide something for themselves in the community. But let's be honest, they knew that this was going to be for children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren that they, might, they probably would never meet. And for new people coming into the Jerusalem as they repatriated from Babylon, oh, this was not just good for them, this was good for others. There was something profoundly selfless happening, and we will do the same. Can I make three promises as we launch Fellowship Bentonville? Promise number one, this will be exciting stuff. I don't know the last time you got asked to join a fresh work of God, but it's a privilege. He didn't have to put us here in this place at this time and let us join in on this work. As we just sang the goodness of God, but promise two, it will not be convenient. Now, if, if there's any vision in us that says we're doing this to reduce our drive time down to Rogers or to preferably ride a bike to church, which I plan on doing, we will have bikes, bike racks, by the way. We're not fools. We know what town we live in. But if that's why we're doing this, we will be sorely disappointed. Because if hassle-free is your goal for Fellowship Bentonville, oh, do we have bad news for you. <laughs> this is going to be massive hassle. Like here in Fellowship Rogers, when somebody says, hey, we need people to step in and serve in early childhood, we go, somebody from Springdale will probably do that. <laughs> when we hear a need maybe to lead cell groups, we go, well, the Rogers person will take care of that. When we hear it in nine months on McCollum Drive, we are them. And we will embrace the inconvenience. As we were praying through this long before the public announcement of this could be happening, how all of us on staff were kind of like, hi, yes, Lord. But it'll mean we'll serve more. We will give more, we will pray more, we will multiply groups more. People I love breaking bread with on a, a Tuesday night, we will say let's love each other enough to break huddle and go multiply two groups. We will be all in for the bigger, more selfless work that God will call us to. And we will be happier. You know, I'm struck by chapter uh, three when all those list of names. I'll be honest, when I was reading through it, it was getting a little tedious. Half of the names I couldn't pronounce very well, if at all. And two individuals jumped off the page. Out of that big list of names, there's only two individuals where the quality of what they did actually was spoken about. So two people got individual mention. One was a, name, a man named Baruch. And Baruch, it says, worked zealously, he and his family. He was wholehearted. They were all in. And then a little bit later, he says, there was a small group of rulers from a certain region. And the text actually says, we quote it exactly, 
they would not put their shoulders to the work. They showed up, but they were half-hearted. And I started hunching, because I've been one, I've been that guy before. Where you want maximum benefits with minimum effort. And then I started thinking, Lord, in the next nine months, every week, would you allow us to pray for 1,000 Baruchs? Would you join us in that prayer? We've only got nine months. It's about the length of time it takes to, for a baby to grow in a mother's womb. Would you pray every week for 1,000 Baruchs to give themselves zealously to the bigger work of God and whatever that looks like? And when that happens, we start to see something really compelling. Remember, the first thing there is they join God together. Secondly, they join God where they live, work, and play. Third, they join God selflessly. And then the fourth scene, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15, jumped off the page. Verse 15 says, the wall was completed in 52 days. How long has it been taking I-49 with heavy equipment? Hey, I finally finished painting my fence on Friday afternoon. That took far longer than 52 days. That's amazing that by hand it was finished in 52 days. It was so amazing that the next verse, verse 16 says, and all the people surrounding Jerusalem said, quote, surely God accomplished this. And may we say, Lord Jesus, give us the privilege of having our city echo the same thing. Don't let them say, what a pretty building you have. Let them see the way we live and work and play, expressing the authentic Christ, and they go, surely God accomplished this, that when we join God like that, he gets much glory. But because God is the one who's ever blessed and ever blessing, when he gets much glory, we get much joy. And may it be for us that we join God together, we join God where we live, work, and play, we join God selflessly, and as a result, he gets much glory, and we get a ton of joy. And so now, what if? What if 37 years from now, a group of people in Bentonville and the surrounding communities are talking about all that God did through this fresh launch, this new work of God. 37 years from now, I, Lord willing, I won't be here. That's not a morbid thought. That's kind of a going home thought. But others who I care about and love will be here. And will we hear them thanking the God of heaven, saying, surely God accomplished this, and they can point to thousands thousands of men, women, and children whose lives were changed by Jesus Christ. And they can point to dozens of global workers who were actually raised up from among us and sent out to people groups all around the nation. And then they can think of churches that were planted in Pea Ridge and in Centerton and in Bella Vista that found their roots from this little work of God. They could point to compassion ministries that were started by our people, Abel and Bart and I and Beth and our team and Sarah and all the other staff, sometimes we say our job in ministry is just to follow our leaders. You're the leaders. How do we get behind you? And we will watch compassion ministries start everywhere. We will see schools and organizations served through the people who call themselves Fellowship Bentonville. 
And at the end of the day, no one will applaud us because that wouldn't make us happy. God would get much glory and we would get to share in the joy of the bigger work. I wanna be all in for that, don't you? Let's pray and ask him for that. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up and, and begin to lead us as well. But allow a prayer to form in your heart and mind right now that simply says, Holy Spirit, I'm available. Show me how you wanna use me. Lord Jesus, we trust that you will be so good that you'll answer that prayer over the coming months and you'll think your thoughts and dream your dreams through your ordinary folks like us. And we are a collection of wonderfully ordinary people. So now we're just gonna ask you, would you put us on your agenda for your work? Oh, we are asking for you to get much glory in what you would accomplish that you would let us serve our city selflessly and serve one another sacrificially, that we would have the joy of enjoying your presence among us, but also the joy of seeing what only you can do. So we make ourselves available and we say thank you.